Hello and welcome to episode 4 of The Perfect Cast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Jack. This week in movies we discuss The Nightmare Before Christmas Live and Weird Science. In TV we discuss the movies that made us, Magic to Humans and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We also play our new game, The Game With No Name. So we've got a bit of a special segment this week. Uh, we've been down in London for the past couple of days. Uh, we went to go and see The Nightmare Before Christmas live for their 25th anniversary with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Not only that though, but it had special guests Danny Elfman, Catherine O'Hara and Ken Page. Yeah, it was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah, it was definitely... I think after the show finished, I said to you that felt like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah. Obviously, they this is a tour. It's the first time they've been in the UK and Europe. They've done it quite a lot over in the States. Okay. It just felt so personal. There's about maybe two, 3,000 people there. Or would you say more? <laughs> more. It more? was Wembley Arena and it was sold out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how big Wembley Arena is. No, it's really good. I, I, I feel like a lot of movies are doing this sort of thing at the minute, like the live orchestra thing. Yeah. Which we, we've been to go see Beauty and the Beast live action film with the live orchestra, and that, that was lovely because the music is incredible for that. But this one, because it had the live actors, I wasn't sure how it was going to work because yeah. I was like, well, are they going to be doing the voices as well? But the talking voices. Yeah. But what happened was anytime Jack Skeleton sang, Danny Elfman would come onto the stage and sing his parts basically but it was really cool to watch them live and I think especially because if you listen to the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack and listen to Jack's parts it's a lot of words at a very fast pace yes you could see him looking down at the screen which gives you like the count you know the yeah the timing yeah and that sort of thing yeah and you could see him like trying to keep up and trying to breathe and yeah so Danny Elfman um, not only does the singing voice for Jack but he's also the composer, composer for the entire film uh, he actually does the majority of two Tim Burton's soundtracks. Oh, yeah, pretty much you name a Tim Burton film, he'll have done. Okay. The soundtrack I know for Danny Elfman for Desperate Housewives theme tune. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's done. I think, I he's think done, he like, did The Simpsons. Yeah, I think so. And he's done work on Spider Man as yeah, well, like got one a, of the original ones. He, he explained at the end of the show, he's basically come out of retirement to do these tours. Yeah. And he tries to, like, embody Jack Skellington he wears a pinstripe suit he tries to move like him as he well, moves like he? him yeah and he's very like animated in the face and very expressive which I thought like it's tremendous Jack Skellington's such an iconic character mm. and this is the guy that helped bring Tim Burton's drawings to life, uh, to life yeah. with music so yeah at 66 I thought he's looking like, like sharp and is <laughs> moving quite sprightly so Sally is is played by Catherine O'Hara, who is one of our favourite uh, actresses at the moment because of Shit's Creek, mm -hmm. the show on Netflix. And speaking for Lisa as well, we both sat really anticipated, oh, waiting for her to come on stage. I literally sat and waited and waited, and I was like, "When does Sally sing?" Like I thought, I thought it was like quite early on in the movie, and it yeah, it really isn't. It was Sally's song was in the second half of the pr production. Yeah, it was after the interval, but. Catherine O'Hara actually played Shock of Lock, Shock and Barrel. Yeah. She was the little witch. Um, she was the original voice. So when they did kidnap Mr. Sandy Claus, she came out and I was like ecstatic that we were like in the same room as her watching her perform live. And yeah. she came out in a very Moira-esque outfit. So she, she came dressed as Shock. Exactly. So she was in like long opera gloves, a black dress. 
yeah, full length coat. Yeah. She she cosplayed as. Yeah, and she had like film. a little witch's hat, and she she looked amazing. Yeah. But obviously, there's cameras so that you can see it on the screen, and it was quite zoomed in, and she was like very animated in her face, and she was like acting with the other two. Yeah. Playing them. So it's Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Barrel is played by Danny Elfman as well. Shock is Catherine O'Hara, as we've said, and the original voice of Lock was is it Paul something the guy who plays Pee Wee in Pee Wee's Big oh, Adventure okay. doing some background research because I'll leave a couple of clips in the okay. show notes of the same show but done in LA okay it's got him in it oh wow okay but the for for the one we saw in Wembley and they had like a group of background singers which had a couple of the original voice actors from the film uh, so there was Greg Proops who's from whose line is it anyway Randy Crenshaw who was the he did some supporting characters like Mr. Hyde and the Vampire Corpse dad. But he also voiced the mayor because the fella who played the mayor originally uh, passed away. And then they had just three other fantastic voice actors who I looked into what they've done. And um, they've done all sorts of work on Star Wars and Disney and yeah, Family Guy. And, yeah, just doing like voices. Yeah. The songs just basically yeah. being on the on the on the soundtracks. It was it was ace. Everything about the show was. So when you were saying before, did Danny Elfman originally play one of the barrel? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So not only I thought he was just covering. Yeah, he's done. Is the main one is Jack Skellington yeah. and then Barrel, and I think he also does a couple of other voices throughout, throughout on the okay, film, but he cool. didn't do it for the live show. They just had that covered by yeah. the five other guys. Catherine O'Hara's. I don't know if it's O'Hara or, or O'Hara. I'm going to stick with O'Hara because I'm comfortable with that. Okay, yeah. Isn't that like the Chicago airport? That's O'Hara. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, Catherine O'Hara, her performance was brilliant, like, yeah. as shock. But then when she came back to play Sally, she was in, like, a pinstriped dress or like play sparkly, suit. sparkly, sparkly pinstripe Yeah, dress, it was, she looked amazing. And then, like, her performance again was amazing. Yeah. Um, and she, she seemed overwhelmed when she came on the stage. She didn't milk it and she wasn't like, they love me, they really love me. She was... <laughs> yeah, she was really, you could tell she was feeling the warmth and support yeah. of the crowd. And instead of it being, like, not overwhelming or... She was being very modest about it, wasn't yeah. she? Just being really yeah, humbling um, and like thanking people for coming out and that sort yeah. of thing. I think seeing Catherine O'Hara was like the highlight for me because I was so excited yeah. to see her. But Ken Page, who plays Oogie Boogie, was absolutely amazing. Like oh, if you yeah. shut your eyes, you'd think you were listening to the album. Oh god, because yeah. he, he was perfect. Like he, he he just nailed it. It was like line for line, beat for beat, perfect. Yeah. And I was waiting for a moment where he'd do something slightly different. Yeah. Just probably so that people didn't think he was miming. And yeah. there's certain times where he'd like do it slightly different, add a bit of a slight um like not emotion but a different twist to it in yeah. a way. Only slightly, but it was just like enough for you to bits, go. Yeah. Like he just sort of like I don't it's the way he's like moving his body as well. Like oh, he's moving God. like Oogie Boogie. Like it was it was really cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's a shame he didn't have more than one song because I would love for him to have been back on the stage. Well but... that's the thing. So Sally only really gets one main song. Yeah. Apart from a duet with Jack at the end. It's and really short, yeah, isn't it? I thought Oogie Boogie had another one, but he just has the whole section at the end with Sandy Claus. Yeah, there's no singing, is there? No, it's just sort of, but it, it there's a rhythm to it so it feels yeah. like it's is singing. Mm. But yeah, Ken Page was absolutely Amazing. He stole the show. He did. <laughs> as as much as Danny Elfman and Catherine O'Hara were brilliant, but his I think it's such like an iconic song as well. Oh, and yeah. it's so like it's full of soul and Well it's that's it, it's jazzy and yeah. it's it's soul, it's a different beat to the rest, rest of, of the, the, the soundtrack. 
But again, I mean, Danny Elfman wrote that song, so yeah. <laughs> he's just the main talent throughout. It's absolutely speaking fantastic. of that song, at the end of the performance, like the credits started to roll on the film and people started to leave and Danny Elfman was sort of milking his... his milking. He was milking it. <laughs> he, was, he was soaking up the yeah. uh, appreciation from He'd the audience. He'd run back and forth a few times bowing and we were like, okay, my hands are hurting now. But <laughs> From clapping. Yeah, yeah. And then um, he was like, I've got one more surprise for you. And he, when he originally wrote the Oogie Boogie song, he visioned it in a slightly different way. He was inspired by Cab Calloway and tried to get his style singing. Yeah. And that's what he, he first pictured. So he did his rendition of the song with Cab Calloway in mind. And it was slower, slightly creepier. Yeah. It was good. But he was also saying when they brought people into audition for Oogie Boogie, they stopped directly at Ken Page and went, no, no this is no it. More. This yeah. is what we're having. Yeah. This is brilliant. This is it. This is completely changed what I had in mind and it's perfect. Yeah. But he had a whole costume change for it as well. He, well, I think he got a well, coat on. <laughs> he changed, changed, yeah, changed his jacket to a longer um, But he performed his version for us, which was like, it was very different, yeah. but it was really cool to see. And then during it, obviously Santa talks in that song. So the composer, like, I didn't even notice him do it, but he secretly no, yeah. sticks on a Santa hat and does the, the lines, um, forgive me now, but don't, but don't. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The Santa spits. Yeah. And like, they're both like playing off each other. I thought that was like, it was really fun and yeah. it was a great way to end the show. I'll link to a video in the show notes. Yeah. It's, it was just, oh, I, like, I think I just smiled all the way through. You know, when you see like cheesy, like holiday videos for vacations and the yeah. kids are just like smiling all the way through the video <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah, just like yeah, yeah. no one does that that but was me no, was... i was just like grinning from the beginning to end oh it was fantastic and the the whole crowd i mean you don't go to these shows unless you really enjoy well, it yeah so. it wasn't cheap <laughs> it was the whole room was just lit with yeah like love for this film and i forget we try and watch this film about once a year in between halloween and christmas yeah but, you know, don't always get around to watching it. And it just brings me back to the first few times I'd seen it and just how much I love these characters. I do remember the first time I ever saw this very vividly. Um, my nan used to take us to her friend's house and right. they had two girls who were slightly older than us. Okay. And the younger one took me and my sister to a room and was like, I've got a video to show you. <laughs> um, don't tell your nan because um, I'm not really allowed to watch it, but it's my sister's. And I was like, oh my God, what are we going to watch? Oh, and she God. was like, it's really scary. And I was like, I'm scared of scary things. And it was Nightmare Before Christmas. And I remember leaving being like, that was amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's Everything about it is just amazing. Yeah. But yeah, so that's Nightmare Before Christmas live in concert. I really hope it comes around again, but I don't think we'll go and see it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it comes around again for other people to go and see. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's... I think because it's the anniversary though, I think it was like a one-off. Yeah, but it was a really nice time yeah. to go and see it two, three weeks before Christmas. Yeah, definitely. We did a nice trip down to London. We don't get down to London very often. Yeah. But it was, we had a really nice weekend down there. Yeah, I think if I was going to go see a movie and concert yeah. thing again, I'd really like to go see Home Alone because the music for that oh, is gorgeous, yeah. isn't it? John Williams. Yeah. But anyway, that was just like a little... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> An extra um, thought. <laughs> I don't know if 
there's a movie I'd like to see in concert. I didn't even think of that. I, I like uh, these the Disney ones we've seen, to be honest. Yeah. The Beauty and the Beast one we watched, I'd have preferred if it was the... Cartoon. Cartoon. But the live action had just come out, so... Yeah. It was, uh, it's, it's the same music, really, still good. The, well, the, the, I think... Just I think to sit through the beat. The beautiful thing about it is watching it with the live orchestra. Yeah, because I think with that one, they had... Obviously, they had Beauty and the Beast on the screen, but then two other screens, it had the orchestra. So yeah. I found myself watching the screen with the orchestra on the whole time during yeah. that one. This one, because they had live actors, it didn't show the orchestra at all. Yeah. Which, so when it was just like background music, when the characters are talking, not singing, yeah. they weren't filming the orchestra, so I found myself watching the film. I think if I had to give this a star rating, mm-hmm. or an out of ten rating, it would be nine out of ten. Yeah. With my one mark being, I felt like the orchestra weren't like announced enough. Yeah. Or appreciated enough. Yeah. And also the yeah. five backing uh, singers that they had, so like Greg Proops and yeah. Randy Grenshaw. Unless you bought a programme or did a bit of due diligence to find out who these people were, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Another note though, the I thought Greg Proops looked a lot like Grunkle Stan from he Gravity Falls. Big thick glasses on and a fez. I just I thought he looked ace though. Well, Greg Proops actually does quite a lot of voice. Uh, acted yeah. and I think because you just see him as this comedian on whose line is it anyway you just think oh that's what he does he must be a comedian maybe he does a bit of writing but it yeah. turns out he does quite a lot of voice work yeah. as well Is he, he announces the pod race in Star Wars Phantom Menace oh wow okay random yeah Um, they did have a little bit that I give it 9 out of 10 as well right and my reason for the not 10 out of 10 is the violin is the violinist okay Um, the, Sandy Cameron yeah they, they brought out Sandy Cameron after the interview is like here is a gift for you and she just did Nightmare Before Christmas songs on a violin really aggressively She had um, a supporting band who were playing like the group from um, Nightmare Before Christmas. So one had a double bass. Oh yeah. And stuff like that. You know yeah. the the group of the guys and one's like nice work, Daddy. <laughs> that the, that group of people. Yeah. Nice work, Bone Daddy. Um, I didn't like the way it sounded. I thought I was like, you know, when music makes you sort of like wince and yeah, it was, and it went on for so. It long. went on for a long time, and it was just a bit much. Yeah. For what it and, was, and then they go, and you can see her perform in the theatre down the road. Yeah, it's it was just like okay. It's it was a, a shameless plug, wasn't it? Yeah, it, that's what it felt like. It yeah. was this big plug for her thing, and it was it was good. It it was a treat, but it was unexpected and completely different. For we were settled in to watch Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas. I mean, it, I'm it sure people enjoyed it, but for me, it, it wasn't. What it, it's not for me, basically. Yeah. So, I spent the last couple of days watching some 80s films. The main one that stuck out for me uh, was Weird Science. So, the guys were at work, they constantly, the the other week they said, have you seen Weird Science? And I hadn't, so they were all taking the mic, can't believe you've not seen it, blah blah blah. To, To be fair, I wasn't alive when it came out. I mean, neither was I, but I've seen it. Yeah, but I just haven't got around to watching it. You've I've never seen, seen The Goonies. I know. Well, that's also on my list. I've seen a bunch of other 80s films. I'm making my way through. Anyway, so I sat down and watched Weird Science on Saturday morning, and it was ace. It was exactly what I was expecting it to be. 
Cheesy. Cheesy. <laughs> oh, classic John Hughes film. Big hair. <laughs> where there's this, like, simple ideas. So when you look at, like, John Hughes from a, like, zoomed out perspective, it's always, like, kid gets left at home, whilst burgers try to rob the house, whilst the family are away. Kid decides to skip school for the day and gets up to loads of shenanigans. Unpopular kids struggle to talk to girls, so they make a woman with weird science. A group of kids from different social groups discover that they have a lot more in common. These really simple, like, ideas for a film that just, you know, you add a bunch of 80s music <laughs> and you've got, you've got yourself a film. So, yeah, so I've enjoyed a lot of other uh, John Hughes films, like we always watch uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Um, I really like Ferris Bueller and The Breakfast Club. And Weird Science is just straight away added to one of my favourite like, films from that decade. Hmm. I, just thought, I just thought it was really stupid and really funny throughout. Although I was looking into it, it was also a TV show in the 90s. Was it? Yeah, it ran for five seasons. Really? Yeah, there's 88 episodes. Is like, it the same actors? Or? No, it's different actors, different same people concept. altogether. But yeah, same concepts. But we didn't get that over here, so oh, I don't okay. know. Those people were really disappointed when it uh, got cancelled, though. Five seasons? Five seasons. I mean, that's a, that's a lot, really, isn't it? For, like, what, what else could they do with it? I don't, I, I don't know. It was like, it was pretty... It, it starts off like pretty tame and mm. uh, like the simple idea oh these two kids are really unpopular and they make a woman they, they, well they don't know how to get girls so they make a woman to teach them how to get girls and in the end she does but in a very roundabout way <laughs> like they go the proper long way round about it yeah. to the point where the Wyatt one of the kids brothers gets turned into a goopy monster thing i have not seen it in so um, long a nuclear rocket comes out in the this middle the of the movie house or the TV show? this is the movie <laughs> i don't remember any of yeah. it yeah um, i think i modeled this film off of that kim cattrall film or is this kim cattrall no this is kelly lebrock who wasn't an actor actress she was a model in the 80s and she got married to steven seagal but then oh, they her. got divorced and she had a big drug addiction and oh stuff. god yeah that, that's it there's this, a really weird bit as well where um, <laughs> Kelly LeBron, her name's Lisa in the film. They call mm. her Lisa after. So it's two kids, Gary and Wyatt. Is it after Lisa Turtle? And G Gary used to go out with a girl or supposedly went out with a girl who kicked him in the balls called Lisa. So oh, okay. they name the girl after her. <laughs> like the, the main, the weird science girl. But at the end, because the two of them haven't learned to like stick up for themselves, she summons these like mutant motorcyclists okay. and they have quite a lot of emphasis on it and there's absolutely no reason why it's mutant motorcyclists, just that's who she summons. Uh, but it turns out it was the, the bad guy from Mad Max 2, which had also come out re recently. So like it was the actor or yeah, okay. so like the, the, character. the main bad guy from that or one of the bad guys from that. Right, okay. It's just is a direct reference. but. Because I didn't know that, I haven't seen Mad Max 2. I was like, why is there on? just mutant motorcyclists? Um, so there's a lot of just these weird things where, like, Wyatt's brother is just this, like, army guy who's mm. a bully. But the reasons for bullying are just stupid. And, like, he's, like, ten years older than him. And every time uh, Wyatt does something, he doesn't want his brother to know. And, like, he gets caught. He has to pay for it. Like, I'll give you all the money I have, or I'll give you this, I'll give you that. <laughs> I don't know, it's just weird. And he's like got this really crap, like jarhead army haircut, right. but it's a proper buzz cut. I don't know, it was just 
the whole film was just bizarre like fantastic really enjoyed yeah. it would definitely watch it again but I was, it's, it's really strange because so like when people talk about like cult 80s films i feel like this isn't one that's normally mentioned i think this is just your workplace that you're obsessed with this film because <laughs> like i watched it when i was younger it was not something i've like watched again i don't think i think i've only seen it once or twice yeah but like goonies stand by me that sort of thing right like back to the future they're yeah, like yeah yeah proper cult classics whereas this is like such a random deep cut of john hughes john hughes john yeah. hughes film yeah so uh young robert downey jr got quite a small role in the film mm. but he's probably the most famous person now from that now yeah yeah but well, he definitely is the most famous yeah person from i can tell you who's in that film neither well there's <laughs> neither the, can the, I. <laughs> the main guy was anthony michael hall so oh. he played gary so the, the the two main characters are gary and wyatt yeah but of them gary's He's probably the protagonist throughout the whole thing. He's the guy that decides we're going to make a woman. He's yeah. the guy that makes all... He's the leader, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that's Anthony Michael Hall, who's from The Breakfast Club. Yeah. And he's also in that episode of Community, where he, he has a fight with Jeff. Um, <laughs> then, yeah, so I, I looked into the, the rest of the, the cast. Wyatt, the guy who plays Wyatt, is Ian something or other. He hasn't done anything since the 90s. He's only just doing things now, I think. Okay. So, like, 20 years... Um, Kelly LeBrock, she married Steven Seagal, wasn't really an actress, she was more of a modelling yeah. career. Uh, Bill Paxton, who plays uh, Wyatt's brother, the army guy. Bill Paxton? Yeah, so he's done quite well. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what he's been in though. Twister. Oh, I've not seen Twister. So, in uni I went through a phase of watching John Hughes films, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I really yeah. enjoyed The Breakfast Club. And I still haven't seen Sixteen Candles, and I haven't seen Weird Science. <laughs> And I don't know why I didn't watch them. So I'm going to find 16 Candles on one of the streaming services. Yeah. And then probably watch that. Is Say Anything John Hughes? I think so. Because you were going through, I remember this phase. Yeah. And so for Christmas, Christmas or birthday, I bought you a bunch of DVDs. And Say Anything was one of them. Yeah, that's the one with um, John Cusack. Um, I don't know. I started watching Planes, Trains and Automobiles. I don't but like that film. I couldn't get into it. I, I've never been able to. Everyone says it's really funny and I just... It's yeah, not. I think... I don't know whether it's one of those where it's really funny of the of time. time. I, I turned it off because it was just doing my head in. Yeah. I just wasn't following on, on with it. Say anything. So. It was... Uncle Buck's another one of them films that I just can't get into. Oh, really? Because everyone tells me oh, I should watch Uncle Buck. Yeah, um, it's, it's very loud and slapstick and just a lot of like... I don't know, it's just very loud, and I think that's what I don't like about it. Yeah, like, I really like John Candy from, I mean, I've, I think I've only really seen him in, like, Cool Runnings, and there'll be something, and Home Alone. Yeah. Uh, there's bits, and I, I think he's... There's a John Candy film, and I don't know what it's called, but it's John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, and they go into the woods right. on a trip, and John, I think Dan Aykroyd doesn't want John Candy's family to be there, because he's, like, loud and destructive. Right, okay. And then something happens where a bear comes... And he, I th- see, I think I always... Funny, but he shoots the bear, but it misses and it goes like in between his ears. And oh, like, right. Because the bullets like <clears throat> ran through his hair, it like... Leaves. Leaves like a mo- like an, an opposite mohawk <laughs> on this bear. Uh, so Say Anything is by Cameron Crowe. It's oh. definitely got a John Hughes vibe it has, to it, though. It? Maybe that was just films in the 80s, yeah. yeah. I th- That film uh, with Dan Aykroyd, I thought that was Uncle Buck, or maybe... No. Uh, oh, it was Caddyshack. No, I don't even know what that is. I'm just naming random films now. 
because it's the great outdoors yep i haven't seen that one but we could probably we could watch it i was just about to say i think it's one of them films that was really funny when i was little but i think right. if i rewatched it it'd be like oh this is so bad <laughs> <laughs> well if we see it on something yeah we'll, we'll, give, it uh, we'll give it a go we'll so give it a whirl, and maybe find out what caddy shack is as well yeah something to people do talk about that a lot indeed right yeah so weird science i'll definitely give that a go again <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had, like I've added that to my list of favorite '80s films. Wow, okay. It's just great. Maybe I'll rewatch it. Yeah, cool. Uh, uh, yeah. So, Magical Humans is back. Yeah. Season two. Yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm like a magic nerd. Like I, I love magicians and I love magic, but I love this show so much. Oh, it's so good. It's like really, really witty, and I'm not like a laugh out loud kind of person. I'm just like a huh, yeah, sort of just chuckle, yeah, inwardly. like snort sort of laugh. But this one makes me actually laugh out loud quite quite often. Yeah, I just think it's really funny. And what's his name? Justin Willman. He is such. He's got a good presence, and he knows how to deal with people. And I know a lot of magicians do, but sometimes they're quite awkward. Yeah. About stuff, but he is. He's, he's comedic, and it works for him. Well, he prefaces the show by saying like he spent a lot of time not being around humans and more time doing magic, yeah. and now he's gonna flip that on its head. Yeah. And spend more time around humans whilst doing magic. Yeah. <laughs> but he does come across straight away as someone who's really personable and has been doing like interacting with people for a long time yeah i think the show is just ace i know like every episode starts with like a theme so like one of the episodes we watched this week is that he's just become a dad he's had a baby since the last season yeah and so he has like a whole episode based on becoming a dad or being a dad so he meets up with a football team an american football team and he's like if you're a dad you can do all these things like balance a ping pong ball on your head on yeah, your nose on your nose so like they'll throw a ping pong ball up and try and catch it on the nose and he throws his up and it sticks to his nose it's all about having dad reactions yeah like being like able to see dad reflexes. yeah from uh yeah dad reflexes so like if there's something coming at your kid or your kid's about to fall yeah you can catch them and he does this by catching the ping pong ball on his nose racing a guy to take a ping pong ball from underneath a cup just a bunch of stuff where he does a bunch of illusions and tricks to yeah. to do that but then there's also like the simpler tricks that he does where it, it's all done in a comedic way and you, i think i'm still skeptical with it like tv is it yeah just tv well, trickery and he it's... does he does address that in one of the episodes doesn't he where he's like he goes up to a crowd of people and he's yeah. like you can't get genuine reactions if it wasn't real <laughs> he goes up to this group of people and he's like i'm a tv magician so obviously you know this isn't real it's all yeah. camera work yeah. so i want you to pretend that you've seen it something amazing and he's got like a green screen mat on the floor a, a guy in a green screen suit. suit yeah and he's like i'm gonna levitate and he stands on this man and the, the people are all going oh wow yeah with all these like <laughs> fake responses and then He's like, I'm going to make parts of my body disappear. So he has like a green screen blanket. And then he's like, my legs have disappeared. And they're all like, oh my gosh. And then he makes himself disappear. And they're all pretending that they're amazed. But then the the green screen cloth drops and he has disappeared. But the man's still on his knees on the floor. Yeah. And he, the man stands up, takes off his mask. And, and it's, it's Justin. Justin? Justin. Yeah. So then they have a genuine reaction. Yeah. And there is a huge difference. It's like the comedic segments as well where he's doing the he's doing magic whilst using a lie detector test. Yeah. And obviously it'll be a fake lie, lie detector, detector test. test. But it, it buzzes 
for um, false information and it dings for true information. And I just think like bringing that, it's magic with a level of comedy where David Blaine is like, hey, watch me do this trick. I am amazing. I can, you know. Yeah. And then like walks away and people are like, hey, where did he go? Where this Justin Willman does everything with like, just the comedic effects and like, He uses his props and just throw them away whilst talking about how we need to protect the environment and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, it's all being picked up by the cast and crew. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just the comedic effect that's there. So sometimes the magic is not amazing, but because it's got such a showman level to it, it's it makes it even better. Yeah. Like, he does little, like, s- like small segments in the middle to, like, break up the episode. Yeah. During the dad episode, he was doing one called Dad Tricks. Yeah. And it was like dad jokes with a with trick. With a trick, yeah. Yeah, yeah I great. thought they were brilliant. And there was one where there was a dad and a son, and the dad was <laughs> loving the joke. I can't even remember the joke. Um, oh, it was, um, he had a hanky, and he's like, how do you make a hanky dance? And then he like shook it, and there was like loads of bogeys on it, and he's like, add a little buggy. <laughs> yeah, and the son, he may, must have been about like 17, 18, was just was shaking just his like, head oh. And the dad was despair. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dad was chuckling away. Yeah, it, it's those, those seg- segments are brilliant. The magic for Susans has continued from series one. They find a Susan and do magic for her. Yeah. This first episode, they had a special Susan. Yeah, special Susan. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. So I say it Sarandon. Yeah. Sarandon. Sarandon. I, I liked the the bit there where he's is on the take your kid to work day and he's doing the baby episode yeah. and he's pushing the pram down the street and stops outside a shop and goes. Any seasons in there? <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's a lot of throwbacks to season one. There's a lot of throwbacks to like parts of the show within yeah. themselves, and I think because it's quite self-aware, yeah, that's what makes it even more entertaining. Yeah, like there's it's just, just there's sometimes stupid, there's clips it? of him just stood at the top of an escalator going, "Do you, do you want to see some magic?" <laughs> <laughs> like there isn't even the magic side. It's just more. How does he get these people to come so, over and yeah. interact? Or... Yeah. And he's got another segment called uh, Trick Question, oh, where yeah. he asks, he does a trick and then asks you a question. So it like it can be there are always really weird questions as yeah. well. Like he made um, a girl's coffee disappear, and then went, I wonder what they're gonna do about that snake. <laughs> she's just like, what? And she's looking around like, what, what snake? snake? And he he looks past her like at the floor like, as if there'd be a snake over there and. Doesn't just doesn't say anything after that. But it's again, just really, it's, it's just, so it's, funny. The comedy value of it is is really good. So we're, we've watched three episodes: the Christmas one, yeah, the one where he goes laughing, live action role playing, and then the third one was take, take your, your kid to work day. Kid to work day. Mm. The laughing episode was brilliant. Yeah, they were all brilliant. Throwing cards at people. Yeah, paper cut, paper cut. <laughs> <laughs> but that's on Netflix. If you've not seen it, we highly recommend it. It's easy yeah. TV. It's a lot of fun, even if you don't like magic. Yeah. I think you'd still enjoy it. You can jump in at any episode, but I recommend going back Just watching series it. one yeah. because of the the back references it does. Yeah. It constantly bounces between referencing like there's something to do with marshmallows and like the magic for seasons thing. And yeah. It's it's probably series two is just a continuation of, of series one. It's carrying it on for people who've already seen it. Yeah. But you could jump in at series two. Yeah. So last week we mentioned movies that made us. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's four-part series on Netflix yeah. now. We watched the Home Alone episode. Yes. It was exactly like the toys that made us, the same style, the same flow. 
and also just as interesting. Yeah, definitely. Like, I had no idea that the entire set for Home Alone, the house, was built in a high school gym. Yeah. Like, and that's they crazy. built the whole thing so you could go up and downstairs. Yeah, it was just a house built, built into in a, gym a gym. Because John Hughes didn't like to work in studios, so he rented out a, an abandoned high school. Yeah. So that they could build, put the offices into old classrooms, and then the set was in the gym. John Hughes does a lot of high school-based films. Yeah. So that probably adds adds to it as well. Yeah. Dead easy to get references and that kind of thing. These uh, category that made us yeah. shows... They're just so full of information that, like, you just wouldn't, you just wouldn't ever know. Like, yeah. So Daniel Stern almost missed out on being one of the Wet Bandits because um, he wanted more money. Yeah. So he was supposed to only be six weeks uh, on a six-week contract and for for X amount of money, but they then extended it to eight weeks, but wouldn't pay him more. And you know, from his point of view, I think that's two more weeks. Of yeah, it's two more weeks of work, work for the same amount of money. Yeah. But he he turned down the role, and they got in another guy. Then. A the chemistry of, wasn't there. The chemistry great. wasn't there, and the studio also changed hands in this time as well. So yeah. it was picked up by Fox because Warner Brothers didn't want to pay Money. 14 million. They were given a $10 million, pound, $10 million budget that went up to 14 million. And fortunately, John Hughes had been speaking with the guys at Fox who said, No, yeah, we'll make that movie. Yeah. So yeah, the chemistry wasn't working. They brought Daniel Stern back in, and he says in the interview, like, Good job that happened because he must still make he literally said um it's a good job that happened because my big head almost lost me this film yeah which is huge for him like i know he's been in a bunch of other things city slickers and stuff but home alone every christmas they made a they've made a bunch of sequels but mainly home alone 2 is the other like secondary iconic films of the series home alone 3 and 4 shouldn't are terrible This will be massive for him. Like yeah. he must get a check every month, especially around Christmas. That's like. Do you think? Yeah, I reckon he gets royalties. Mm, is that how it works? I think. Well, it... that was just TV. No, whenever they play that film, whenever Home Alone gets played on TV, yeah, they'd have to pay. They'll pay Fox for that every time. Yeah. Maybe you get. It depends on the contract, doesn't it? Yeah. But, well, it, it really kicked off his career. Yeah. Didn't it? So. Yeah, movies that made us. So I'm excited to watch Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters one, yeah, because that's got Dan Aykroyd in, yeah. and hopefully a bunch of the other Ghostbusters. Can't remember any. There's Dirty Dancing, Ghostbusters, Home Alone, and something else. Um, and Die Hard. So that's a pretty good lineup. Yeah. Lineup for uh, for this series, but again, I, I hope they make more. More. And I reckon they'll do TV that made us. Oh, music that made us. Yeah. There'll be a bunch of these now, I think, because they're all put together so well. The, the information's dead easy to take in. Yeah. So they're extremely watchable. They're about 45 minutes long. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's full of information for people who enjoy pop culture. So if you're listening to this, you're probably already into that sort of thing. Yeah. So go and watch yeah, it. I hope so. Yeah, movies that made us. Uh-huh. Nice short one. So we were actually running out of TV to talk about. So we had... Uh, movies that made us and we had magic for humans mm-hmm. but also one of our favorite series is just kickstarted again on amazon prime yes and that's uh, the marvelous mrs Maisel. yeah it's on season three and it's just as funny as it was oh god the last yeah. two seasons we watched uh, the trailer for it when it first came out we'd seen is amy sherman paladino from the Gilmore uh, Girls. yeah who'd written Gilmore Girls, and straight away, like, I like the Gilmore Girls. Lisa's a massive fan of the Gilmore yeah, Girls. Yeah, I'm obsessed. 
and instantly fell in love with the style of it. The writing was amazing. Just really thoroughly enjoyed series one. Series two followed the same exact pattern, but they sort of did it out in like uh, nature, like a holiday resort, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, the Catskills, I think. It was Catskills. Um, and now series three continues on in a similar vein. Midge, the main character, her career's really taken off as a female stand-up comedian. And her husband slash ex-husband is now starting a club. Yeah. Um, so if you've seen series one, series two, you'll understand all of the story. I'm not going to go back and bring everyone up to speed. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy the script, like how quick and witty it is. You can you can tell it's done by the people who've oh, done yeah, Gilmore Girls definitely. because of how fast everyone talks. Yeah. That's one of my favourite things. It's that rhythm, like the flow yeah. to it all. Like is... you can't go and get a drink of water and come back because like they've done 10 scenes. No. <laughs> yeah. fine. That's It's a positive and a negative. So it yeah. really works for the show and it's really entertaining and dead funny to watch. But also because you can miss something so quickly. If you did it yesterday, you were on your phone for like 30 seconds. Not even that. And I was like, did you just hear what she said? And yeah. you'd missed a, a, a great line. Yeah, but I really, because it's based in the 60s, I love all of the outfits. They're amazing and um, the sets are amazing as well. And it's just really funny. Like when she, she goes to a workout class with a friend and it's always a different workout class in the same room, but they're always doing like whatever was like the fad at the time. Yeah. So in this season, they've got a hula hoop, but they're holding onto it in each hand and stepping left and right and then shaking it <laughs> in both arms sort of thing. It's yeah. just... And they're those swivel boards and they'd hold a yeah. piece of rope in the hands and like... Swing left swing and right, which I remember my mum had when I was little. <laughs> um, <laughs> nearly broke my neck on it. <laughs> yeah. But... It's so funny, and I'm just I'm. I didn't hear anything that it was coming back out last time. They I really had no pushed idea, it. Yeah. Because we use Amazon Prime all the time. Yeah. Because I watch The Office to keep up with the Office Ladies yeah. podcast. Yeah. And it's not like pushed it at all. It's really but weird. Even when we went to go on, it was advertising series two. Yeah. So I don't know whether it's just because Prime's not the best it, like user experience. We but... watched it on someone else's account, so I don't know if it's because we've not watched it on oh, our account before. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's why, but it, possibly it's it's a Netflix, it's a Prime original, so you'd think that they'd really push it in the yeah, the like top the, the main thing. Yeah. Prime like it's got some great shows, but it's always a letdown. Yeah, in terms of using it, even yeah. on Amazon's own devices, it's just not oh, it's a good awful. experience. But the shows are ace. Yeah, I think each season they bring out more and more of the characters as as you'd expect. Abe Midge's dad, dad, he's just excellent he was brilliant in series two and is even funnier now in series three where he's like having a bit of an argument with his wife mm -hmm. uh, she's gone back to her parents house for a couple of days and whilst that's happened he's got these bunch of like beatniks and poets and these like rebels against the government yeah. all living in his house but sponging off him and he can't see through that yeah and he can't get them out and it's just it gets there's more and more every time it revisits the scene he's always got a really funny side story like and yeah he's like a really intelligent like columbia professor but he's also got no common sense yeah like or like street he's not street wise at all like no he gets taken advantage of quite a bit and he doesn't he's very intelligent but he doesn't doesn't get a lot of what's going on in the world yeah yeah so but, all all the knowledge he has is from books so yeah. it makes him really smart but he has no idea what's yeah yeah what's just outside the door essentially exactly. where midge his daughter is going out like hanging out in bars and clubs and doing all this comedy so she she knows what's going on 
And I guess that was like really frowned, well not frowned upon, but it was unusual for women to be in that sort of role in that sort of time. And yeah. they do, they, they play on that quite a lot. Um, so when, when is it set in? The, the 60s. In the 60s, I was going to say 50s. I think the first season was the late 50s and now right, it's, and it's the now 60s. Right, it's now progressed into yeah. the 60s. Yeah. But you, you know when it's set-ish, like you know around the time, there's nothing, there's never any like p- political talk or any sort of historical moments. Yeah, really yes. that like make it shine yeah i think they they have um so they have like lenny bruce who's a real he's a comedian in real life was he? so yeah oh i didn't know that yeah so i like i don't know when he was around but i'm sure I imagine. just by doing a quick google search we'd know when he's from but they've introduced this character shy baldwin who is fictional but okay. they there's a lot of talk about him being based off existing people yeah but it's interesting that they'd use Lenny Bruce, but not use an actual well, singer-songwriter from, from that time. If she's touring with the singer-songwriter, I'm sure a real singer-songwriter wouldn't have a comedian as the opener act, because oh, that okay. is quite unusual. I thought that as well, but yeah. Lenny Bruce may have talked to female comedians at the time. Yeah. And I'm sure he did get arrested all the time for being forward-thinking and talking about things that actually matter. Yeah. I really like his character for yeah. that as well. And so that's that's what where we're up to at the moment is... Abe has just gone and got arrested by going to watch Lenny Bruce and sort of agreeing with the things he was saying in a way or agreeing that he has a right of free speech Yeah. and gets arrested for that too. Yeah. Uh, which is it's just really funny. Just no... Innocence. Yeah, it, yeah, it is innocence. It's innocence. It? Yeah. I, I really like what's going on with um, Joel in this series as well. He The first series you just oh, think... Oh, you hated him. Oh, you hate him because he's, he's the guy that cheats on Midge and he's just a bit of a knob, isn't he? Yeah. But it's, he grew on me again last series, sort of, you know, worked his way back into the good books. But series three, I really feel for yeah. him, is he's trying. That's, I think that's what it's trying to show. He's, yeah. he's just bought this club off a guy who doesn't speak English. And then it turns out there's an illegal gambling den underneath the club. Uh, one of my favourite scenes so far is when he sets up a meeting with the people who could possibly own the club. He's not sure. Yeah. We're not sure. But there's a really comedic scene where... They say, like, oh, no murders have been involved in the area, have they? And then instead of saying yes or no, they just push a big pile of money towards <laughs> him. And they repeat this joke a few times, which is classic. But it's never, like... Like uh, Amy Sherman Palladino writing. Just yeah. Re- it's repetition. So it's not always with the way they speak. Sometimes it's the same joke over and over again. But it's not overkill. It's, but it's not it's, overkill. Yeah, it's really smart. I, don't, I just love the way it's written. And it, yeah. yeah. So she writes it with her husband. husband. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel? Yeah. I'm going to say Daniel. Daniel Palladino. Yeah. So, how many episodes have you watched so far? Two? Three, two. Yeah, because they're like an hour long. Yeah. They're just so good. I love all of her outfits as well. I love the, just the fashion. Yeah, it's great. I think I said the same thing about The Crown. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's back to the that time. Where you, you see it happen, like, you know, vintage clothing and stuff like that, but it'll never be the same because we've all progressed and moved on. Yeah. So, going back to where those style clothes is nice but it's interesting seeing it from the time and people that being a, like a whole new thing yeah because obviously that hadn't been around all these styles all this stuff yeah i was i'm always amazed by how they get things in such like good quality as well like they get all of these cars they get all this yeah. stuff yeah like, yeah it's ace yeah that's it for tv this week yeah, yeah bunch of stuff um <laughs> bunch of stuff. we'll probably pick up again next week with like where we're up to with what we've been watching yeah um, but I think Lisa's got a brand new game. Yes, it's not got a name. I got a game. Okay, well, we'll. What? <laughs> I, I got a game. <laughs>
Okay, so I've got a new game. Right. It's not got a name. Yep. The game with no name. Right now in my notebook, it's titled, Guess the Film from the Actors. Right, okay. Which is, that's the rule. Right. <laughs> that's very straightforward. So, for example, Tim Allen, Tom Hanks, and John Ra Ratzenberger. Right, sorry, sorry. Exactly. Okay. So, that's a nice... Nice piece of what's okay. come. I'm gonna so name that's that's not the question, that was just a example. Yeah, so right. I, I named three actors and you've got to guess the film. Okay. okay. I like it. Are you ready? Play along at home. Round one. Do, do, do. Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, and Lindsay Lohan. Mean girls. Yes. Round two. Susan Sarandon, Richard O'Brien, Tim Curry. Uh I only really know one Tim Curry film. That's the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. 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 Oh, it is. Oh, great. <laughs> Round three. We're getting harder, by the way. So okay. Good. Yeah. Julia Roberts. Right. Bob Askins and Dustin Hoffman. Ooh. Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins. And Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin Hoffman. Oh, God. Julia Roberts. Which one's Bob Hoskins? He plays Smee in Hook, right? Yeah. Dustin, I have no idea. Oh, it's, is it Hook? <laughs> it's Hook. Oh, God. <laughs> I, was trying, like, I was like, I'm sure Dustin Hoffman's in Hook as well. <laughs> he he, he plays Hook, Hook doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Why did, it's because he didn't say uh, well, Robin Williams I, I as know, because well. I thought ah, that would be too easy. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, Kylie Minogue in... Moulin Rouge. It's not Tinkerbell, oh. but she plays like a green fairy. That, that okay. Is Tinkerbell. Okay, round four. Meryl Streep. Yep. Bruce Willis and Goldie Hawn. Oh, that's Death Becomes It. Okay, I thought you'd struggle with that. Nah, one. Okay, the, last one. one. Yeah. I thought you'd take longer, but. Round, round five. five. Jennifer Aniston. Yep. Steve Carell and Jim Carrey. Oh. Jennifer Aniston. Mm hmm. Steve Carell. Mm hmm. And Jim Carrey. Yeah. I've got a feeling this is an animated film. Okay. Is it? I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. Unless you're really struggling in that case, I'll tell um, you. Um. <laughs> it's not that Scrooge one, is it? No. No. Oh, I don't know. I am struggling. It's not animated. It's not animated. Oh God, don't be teasing me. <laughs> Jim Carrey. I'm really struggling with this one. Would you like another actor? Yeah, go on. One more actor. This will give it away. Okay. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> well, it doesn't give it away. It does. Okay. Say the three actors again. Jennifer uh, Aniston, yeah. Morgan Freeman, Steve Carell, and Jim Carrey. Okay. My head's like... So what film is Jim Carrey and Morgan Freeman been in together? Oh! <laughs> Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> Oh, sorry, my head is west at the moment. Well, that's what I was trying to, like, I, I started you off easy with, like, three main characters. And then when I got to, like, Hook, I was like, I'm not going to mention Robin Williams. Um, I thought you'd struggle with Death Becomes Us, but you didn't. No. Um, and then the last one I thought, Bruce Almighty, we've seen a thousand and one times. Yeah. Oh, so I was like, I'm not going to mention either Jim Carrey, and I'm not going to mention Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman. But... Yes. Do you know what I think? What doesn't like? Obviously, it's it's stupid, 
but the order that you say the act is in. That's what I wanted to do as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, okay, it's good. a good quick quick game. Yeah. So, um, next time I'll make it a little bit harder. I just wanted to like ease you in. Yeah, yeah. No, but, that's good. Yeah. Needs a name. Can anyone think of a name for us, please? Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. So my cool thing for this week is The Ride of a Lifetime, which is Bob Iger's book. Bob Iger is CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Of the Walt Disney Company. You don't need to like Disney to read this book. It's basically him talking about his entire career and how he progressed through it, how he treats people and general general business advice. Yeah. Um, he addresses controversial issues, yes. which I thought was quite interesting. Um, things like like the first chapter is about the the little boy who was oh. killed by an alligator yeah. in yeah, Florida yeah. and how he responded to it and how he didn't want to be like a business man about it and just be like i've got to protect the company yeah he reached out to the family and was like is there anything i can do and he wanted to make sure that they knew directly from him which the company told him not to do he but he was like no the, the people i'm a person i want them to know that yeah i'm not just we're not just a big company who are just gonna try and hush them yeah i want to make sure that they're okay and well yeah i mean this, this, anything it could them. have happened anywhere yeah. it's just unfortunate that it happened on disney property it was it was horrible yeah it was, it was a complete accident he also like addresses john the john lassiter situation oh right okay. like the whole book he pushes and pushes and pushes so john lassiter was the he was high up in pixar yeah. and he got fired for sexual harassment oh he got fired because he gave a lot of unwanted hugs yeah. Um, and they didn't want it to progress right. to, into sexual harassment, so they nipped that in the bud as fast as they could. Okay. They gave him like six months off to sort of figure himself yeah. out, and yep. then they let him go eventually. But he was the head of animation, and he was a part of theme parks as well. So yeah. when he got kicked out, it, it sort of left a big hole in the company. Just bringing people up to speed. For yeah. But they addressed that, which I thought was interesting because they thought they'd just be like, Disney's great because that's what Disney have been known to do in the past. Like, it's he, well, that's what I was trying to say before, sorry, is that um, he pushes throughout the whole book about honesty and how honesty is. When he wanted to acquire Pixar, Steve Jobs owned Pixar. So he went to Steve and he was just like, I've seen your offices. I don't want that to change. I don't want to inquire you. Yeah. Because a little backstory of Bob Iger is that he, he was the head of ABC and then when Disney came in and owned ABC, ABC. they were like we're not going to do it the way you used to do it we're going to do it the Disney way, you can't do it that way anymore, you can't do this, you can't oh, do that right. and it wasn't great for a lot of the people who were in ABC Yeah. so when he became CEO and he bought out a company he was like I don't want anything to change for you obviously we're here to help with our resources yeah obviously you can't just like run around and do your own thing you've got to go through me but office wise just business as usual yeah like did the same for marvel everyone asks for the pixar deal right when when they get acquired by disney yeah so pixar and disney had a history before disney bought out pixar yeah um they bought them out in the 2000s but right. obviously toy story came out in 1994 six five or six okay but disney and pixar had a deal for five movies and Michael Eisner and Steve Jobs butted head quite a lot. Michael Eisner, Michael was, the... Eisner was the CEO before Bob Iger. Right. So Bob went to Steve Jobs and he was like, I really want to buy Pixar. Yeah. But Steve didn't want the same sort of negativity to sort of follow the way Michael Eisner's era did. So Bob was just like completely honest with them saying, look, we really want this. 
I'm going to sh- lay all my cards on the table, basically. Yeah. And that became a good friendship between Steve and Bob. They became really close friends okay. because of how honest he was. So, like, he just gives you, like, loads of business advice and just general day-to-day advice that you could use. Just, like, when you hire someone, don't just hire someone because they're good. Hire them because they're a good person yeah. as well. Yeah. Just, it sounds like common sense, but it, it, it people don't... goes missed all the time. Yeah. It's always, like, an afterthought or that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, it's it's a book for a Disney fan because it gives you loads of information that you weren't sort of aware of before, like the what goes on in the background. But yeah. I don't think you need to be a Disney fan to enjoy this book. Right. Because it's very business-based. It's really interesting how he's moved up and the way he treats business and the way he treats people in general. It doesn't seem like it's written in, like, business jargon yeah, as well. Yeah, it feels, it feels honest. Honest and, and personal. I know, yeah, exactly. And, like, it's full of inspiring, fo- like, inspiring stories thoughts and like i just highly recommend it to anyone yeah and you listen to the audiobook for it yeah and i was dead excited because the first chapter is read by bob and he's got a very he's got a really good voice but <clears throat> yeah. then the rest of the book's not written oh that's a shame read by bob except the last chapter because he says like really inspiring things throughout yeah and you're trying to remember them but then the last chapter he's just written every single inspiring thing you could think of that he said in the book yeah and he reads that himself oh okay yeah it's really good I really enjoyed it. I listened to it at work to help me get through the day. And yeah. It's it's inspiring. And how long is it? Like around about. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> I think it's like. How long did it take you to listen to it? Um, two days, two work days. Oh okay. So yeah. it's, it's relatively quite short then. So it's like eighteen hours. Wow. Okay. All right. So like all day playing in the background. Yeah, I listened to it from the minute I got into the minute I finished. So like two nine-hour days. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, my cool thing for this week is the Spotify year in review. Basically, you tell it to go and generate this like infographic for you, and then it tells you all of your stats mm-hmm. for the last year, and also down to like the last decade and stuff. It tells you what genres you've listened to the most, what artists you've listened to the most, how many hours you've listened to music in general, how many hours you've listened to that your favorite artist for. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Have you done that yet? I've not because I'm sick to death of seeing people's Instagram stories about it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what you've listened to. Yeah. It might be nice for yourself. But that's it. But like, people I've... sharing it, I'm like, I, I shut up. <laughs> See, I, I've done it for myself and then yeah. I was talking about it with one of my friends. So we've like shared. I think that's things. fine. Like it's, it, it is cool, but I'm, I'm sort of over it at the same time. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry to read my new cool thing from the No, week. what I found really bizarre though is my top artist of the, the decade mm-hmm. was Thomas Newman. So it's the guy who does the American Beauty soundtrack. Interesting. But like weirdly, I must listen to that more often than any other like artists. Because there's been bands like, you know, like Blink-182 or whatever who I'll listen to every year, like, at a certain time, like, consistently throughout, like, you know, they're not one of my favourite bands, but they're definitely a band that I like, and I've been listening to them for years, but weirdly, it's Thomas Thomas Newman, Newman. where I can think of one playlist, I have a playlist which I'd like to listen to to help me get to sleep, Yeah. so I use some of the music from um, That could just be a thing, it's just played for hours because you're asleep and not turned off. Yeah, but even still, there's like a mix, there's only like two songs on there, so I don't know where they've got that from. But yeah, so check it out. The Suki views Spotify. It's a good infographic. So yeah, despite Lisa being sick of seeing everyone else's <laughs> on, uh, ones it. on Instagram, uh, she wants to share hers with you all. Oh okay. Oh, I was I was just gonna say like, shall we just have a little? Shall we just have a? Oh, go on then. I do want to do it online. Yeah, go on. Okay, so it makes a 
Yeah, so I oh. don't really understand this bit. It just goes through each, like, season. season. Oh, it's making music. Oh. Shh, don't make music. Yeah, it goes through each season and then shows you the sort of things you were listening Can I skip? It looks like then. Instagram stories. Yeah, it, it's on Instagram. It makes you a, yeah. One lucky artist was your number one modern baseball. Oh, that's weird. I've never listened to them in my life. <laughs> So uh, I, d- I is... don't think this is real. <laughs> no, well, it's this is giving you my stats. Why? I don't know. Just go on the next I've one. I've never listened to modern baseball before. Well, you should. Yeah. What? Oh, oh, do you know what it might be? So you're signed in on the Google thing. Um, oh, you listen to stuff on my account. Yeah, I must have done. <laughs> oh, Jack, you've ruined my stats. Uh, never listened to. About it anyway. And Thomas Newman's in my... Who's Tevin Campbell? Oh, I know who Tevin Campbell is. I don't know who Tevin Campbell is. So the top half is my music and the bottom half is your music. No, no, no. What was that? This the, the, your genre chart. So you got... Rock, movie, tune, soundtrack, emo and dance part, pop. But the one you listen to the most was rock. And then this the second most is movie, movie tunes. tunes. And then the third one, soundtrack. So you listen to a lot. Tevin Newman, I think, is the guy who... Tevin, Tevin Campbell. Oh, yeah. Tevin Campbell is the guy who voices Powerline. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. From the Goofy movie. The songs I've loved the most is the Goofy movie soundtrack. Design Details, I listen to them a lot, apparently. Yeah, so that's my favourite podcast. Wait, but I've never listened to Design Details on your account. I don't... Uh, for some reason, it's crossed Lisa's... I don't understand this. Stats over so with my mine. top artist, apparently, is Modern Baseball, who I've never listened to before. Yeah. Um, and my top song is Eye to Eye by... Powerline, which is right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. That is really weird. I don't know why it's done that. Because when I, when I go on my account, like the most... That's so weird. Well, hopefully it works for you guys. Yeah. I guess the downside is if you've got people sharing your account, you're going to get But the only time we've mixed you use my account is when you're using the Google Home, which... Yeah, I, I use that about three times. Yeah. We've had it for a year. And if this is over the decade, why is modern baseball... My number one? No, it's only one of them that's a decade, and that was the Thomas Newman one. Oh, who's Thomas Newman? He did the soundtrack to American Beauty. Is that it? Uh, he's done other stuff, but that's where um, I've got him in. I think he's done music and Oh, he, he did. He did. Um, I do listen to Thomas Newman a lot. Ah. He, he did find a Nemo. I listen yeah. to that's Fall Asleep to it all I'm lot. sure he did some Toy Story stuff as well. No, that's Randy Newman. Oh, too many Newmans. <laughs> Newman. And he did Saving Mr. Banks as well. Okay, oh, I listen to fun. that a lot. <laughs> Well, that was my one cool thing. If it worked for you, <laughs> I hope it did. And if it didn't, well, it's it makes for a funny something. Those <laughs> <laughs> that came up with me. <laughs> this has been episode four. Thank you very much for listening. If you could subscribe and review, we'd really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PerfectCastPod, or you can email in at theperfectcastpod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Christmas. Oh yeah, we're probably gonna start watching Christmas films. Yes, please. Um, sound. (laughs) This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.